0: Hey friends, Hannah here. Before we begin, we have something to celebrate. It is She Reads Truth's birthday month. We have loved opening our Bibles and discovering the beauty, goodness, and truth found there over the last eight years. It may be our birthday, but today we want to celebrate you, our loving She Reads Truth community. Shop our biggest sale of the year now through Friday for up to 70% off of your favorite study books, Bibles, kid resources, art prints, and more. You heard that right, 70%. You can get some of your favorite Bible resources starting at just $5. So head on over to shopshereadstruth.com and celebrate with us. That's shopshereadstruth.com to shop our biggest sale of the year. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth
1: podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams.
2: And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. Hey, today we are joined by author, speaker, podcaster, and lover of God's Word, Sadie Robertson-Huff. We love this girl. Sadie joins us for the second week of our Women and Men in the Word New Testament series, where we're going to talk about Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the boy with the fishes and loaves, and a couple others who you might recognize. Y'all, this is such a fun study. I'm loving it already so much. Let's get right to it. So, Sadie, this is our first time meeting. I feel like we know a lot of the same people and yep. have even lived in the same town. But yes, We've never met before.
3: I know. It's crazy. I feel like I know y'all because I read your stuff and I know so many people that know y'all. And like, it's so funny, especially living in Nashville. It would be like, oh, I know the people from Sugar Reads Truth, assuming that we know each other because we should know each other. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I want to meet them (laughs) We missed our
1: window. We missed our moment. Well, I had dinner last night with a couple of people who told me to tell you hello, Rebecca Lyons and Jenna Clare. And Christine Knockles and Meredith. I was like, We're going to see Sadie tomorrow. And they all said, Oh, good. Tell her how. I was like, I've never met her.
3: (laughs) 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 I love them. Rebecca was like a second mom to me in Franklin. I went over to her house all the time and had little porch hangs for advice and whatnot. I literally spent my birthday at her house one year when I was there. She's awesome.
2: I love that. I love that.
3: Well, Sadie, I'm so excited not
2: just to get to meet you because we just admire the work that you're doing and we just love watching you live for the Lord and be newly married with Christians. So fun. We love all of that. But we're excited to like, you know what we do on the podcast. We get to not even just geek out about each other. We get to geek out about scripture. (laughs) So this is week two of the Women and Men in the Word New Testament series. And we have so many good people to talk about today. I love that The thing that we do in this, even especially in this study, we, you know, said last week that this is not about... The people that we're reading about. Like we're not, it's not a be more like Nicodemus story or even be more like Peter. It's, you know, like, what are we learning about Jesus in this story? Yep. And like, how are we watching these regular men and women, very sinful people, right? How are we watching them respond to Jesus? So mm-hmm. we're excited to just get started. Amanda, do you want to start with Nicodemus? I
1: love this week. I was excited to see because, you know, we put this plan together quite a while back. And so it's fun to have distance from it and then enter back in and read back through you know, the whole assembled reading plan. And I feel like that I have neglected Nicodemus. Like he's such <laughs> a cool character in, <laughs> um, so in the New Testament. But is that Monday? Yeah, that's our day eight yeah. reading is Nicodemus. So here's what I love. I love, I mean, it's just such a good story that he comes in the cover of night yeah. because he's a Pharisee. So the word says, let's see, He's in, we're in John 3. In verse 1, there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him, Jesus, at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. And it's such a like, it.
2: statement of faith, but mm-hmm. not even like, but he doesn't understand. He's not quite there, yeah. but he's yep. so
1: close. Yeah. And Jesus just cuts to the chase. He's like, Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God.
2: And he's saying, mm. Nicodemus, you don't see the kingdom of God. Like, I'm not just someone that God said, I am God.
1: Yeah. Mm. So also, true confessions, I get Nicodemus and Zacchaeus confused because of the, <laughs> I don't know, the sound of their names. I'll be like, oh, Nicodemus, a wee little man. No, 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 different, (laughs) different Different guy. Yeah. I love that, that this conversation and they just really get to it. It's like, I've come in the middle of the night and I have some questions, Mm -hmm. but no one can know the way that I'm at because his posture is one of like, he knows that Jesus, he says, I know you're from God.
3: Yeah it's also like so how we do like it's all those questions come at night I feel like when it's just like the most honest raw conversations even with friends like we used to have this couch we called it the pit because it literally <laughs> like it was just like a whole couch like it was just huge it was like taking over a whole living room I love that and we call it like the pit talk so it would just be like at night where you just get real and you just talk about like deep things or deep question that you have and it normally ends in like some prayer or some Bible reading but it's true it's just so it's like okay here's where I'm at this is just real
0: yeah.
3: and i need somebody to like speak the truth into my life so i think that's really cool it's very relatable
2: i love that and then this is the passage you know where we get john 3:16 from jesus mm-hmm. like we all know it you know we yeah. know john 3:16 and 17 and it's you know on bumper stickers and all of these things but to set it in the context of this conversation between jesus and nicodemus and where jesus is really like outlining like For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I'm not just Mm -hmm. a teacher from God, but I'm his son. And it's just beautiful to read John 3, 16 in the context of this conversation. And then even to flow out of 16 and 17, you get to verses 20 and 21, and he addresses the fact that Nicodemus came to him in the darkness. And he addresses like, yeah, it's nighttime, but listen, Nicodemus, everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. By God.
1: Yeah. Like in the light, we can see that it's God's Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. and that this is God's kingdom, I love that. I'd also forgotten that John three sixteen was within the context of the story of Nicodemus. And yeah. I love that we get, I mean, Jesus chooses to give in his conversation with Nicodemus to give this summary of the gospel yeah. that we still default to today.
2: As did we should. We, did we read 16 and 17? Read the, read the whole thing in its fullness.
1: 16 and 17. You yeah. Mean. Okay. This is a CSB. So John three sixteen and 17, for God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him.
2: That He didn't come to condemn. Mm
1: -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love Psalm 139. I feel like I make a reference to Psalm 139 in almost every podcast episode. But uh, (laughs) that and Peter, which we'll get to
2: this episode. I'm so
3: excited. Amanda loves Peter. Peter. I love him so much. I love Peter too. I was really excited. (laughs) I so
1: like can resonate with Peter. Okay. So, but Psalm 139, 11 and 12 that, you know, even the darkness is as light to you. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this coming in the cover of darkness, it's not dark to God, Mm -hmm, you know, in the God used the actual darkness of this night to expose something in Nicodemus's heart Mm -hmm. and begin to reveal Jesus to him, which Mm -hmm. we know that he comes to... I think we can infer that Nicodemus comes to know Jesus for who he is. Well,
2: because you get to... I mean, that was in John chapter 3, and you get down to John chapter 19, and it's the passage describing Jesus' burial. And Mm -hmm. you get, you know, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of fear of the Jews, it says. And then it says, you know, Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took his body away. And then verse 39 says, Nicodemus, who had previously come to him at night— Also came bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. They took Mm -hmm. Jesus' body and wrapped it in linen cloths with the fragrant spices according to the burial customs of the Jews. But this is Nicodemus no longer afraid to come and say, I am a disciple of Jesus. 75
3: pounds is no joke. Like, what did that look like? That's crazy to think <laughs> it's like about. It's a big I don't old know.
2: basket. I don't know. That's a lot.
3: Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, you can't underestimate, you know, I think some people who might not know the Bible super well and they're just newly a Christian, They're like, I don't know what to share with somebody who would be an unbeliever. And you underestimate those verses that you just think, oh yeah, that's like the classic John 3.16, you know, but there's a reason why it is that way because that's what Jesus spoke to to a questioning man. And so, you know, for people listening, don't underestimate when you quote scripture, like John 3.16 to unbelievers because it was that word, that, you know, overlay of the gospel in this perfect way that only Jesus could say so perfectly because he was living, he is the gospel that changed the man's life. And so I think about that sometimes. Like, sometimes we think we need big, fancy words, we need this super deep theology. We need seminary school, all this different stuff. And while all those things are great, like you just need to know the word, like that's your sword. And so I think it's really a powerful thing to see what that word ended up doing in Nicodemus's life. And, you know, we have those words in our heart. We can speak them and share them and watch the impact it makes is really inspiring. I love that. I mean, Nicodemus is the first of
2: countless souls who were saved by Jesus words in John three sixteen. So true. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I love having this conversation with you,
1: Sadie, because I, right now, you know, we no longer live in the same town and before then didn't, we hadn't met anyway. But when I think of you and picture you, one of the images that is kind of like burned into my mind of you and Christian, I think because it was right around when you got married, when you were at Passion, Mm-hmm. And I think I don't remember if you posted or if he did or what, but there was an image or a video of you guys kind of walking through the crowd. I don't know if you're going on the stage or whatever, but you had your Bibles in your hands. yeah mm-hmm. and I think of you as a woman who has her Bible in her hands. You have a hand <laughs> awesome. yeah mm-hmm. and I and I love that you know this that we see this transformation in Nicodemus where he goes from living, under the cover of darkness, to Mm. living in the light, you know, metaphorically speaking, has this spiritual transformation. And I feel like that is a lot of what you call young women to do, is to live in the light, which is pretty radical in the world. I mean, Mm. so live original, not putting a mission statement in your mouth, but it's so much (laughs) about, from my perspective, looking in on what you guys do, it's so much about that, like living in the light, Mm. even though... That's going to look different than the world. So true. Yeah. No,
3: thank you. That means a lot. And what you said about my Bible, it's really cool. I mean, even thinking about Nicodemus carrying something so heavy, it's like, for me, when I carry my Bible, like there's so much confidence that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I carry my Bible everywhere. Even if I know I'm not really going to open my Bible on stage, because I know exactly the scriptures I'm going to read, and I probably haven't memorized because I'm actually dyslexic. So I don't like to wing it on the spot. So I like to just kind of memorize it. But it makes me feel so confident because I used to be like so insecure, just like every other girl is and was in high school. And I would just be more intimidated to share, to speak, or to talk. But when I talked about the Bible. I mean, I'd be like, I can talk about that all day long because it wasn't about me. It was about, you know, essentially kind of is like, it's who you are, but it's about your father. And there's so much confidence that comes with carrying that around. And so, man, I carry my Bible everywhere. And so I think that that's cool that you said that. And even when Nicodemus coming and carrying this, it just shows the confidence that he has, that he would be in front of people and just giving back to Jesus who he gave his life to. So I think it's really cool. Once you have like a radical transformation and you love the word, you fall in love with the word, you want to take the word everywhere. And so that's why I love what y'all do. It's like you have a conversation, not bringing people and talk about people, bringing people and talk about Jesus. And I think people feel really confident in that. And that's, that's awesome. Love that. Well, speaking of radical transformations, Peter. I know. I want to hear how you feel about Peter. I saw
1: your face light up when we talked about him a minute ago.
3: love Peter. I can relate to Peter so much for like so many stories about Peter. He was like, okay, so do you all do Enneagram? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was
1: actually thinking this when I was reading. I was like, I wonder what his number was. What do you
3: think, Sadie? Okay, so this is my theory. So I'm a six. Okay. I'm a six wing seven, but I don't know if you've heard of like the counterphobic six or whatever. And it's basically, there is six that can come across like an eight because they challenge their fear. So when I read that, I laughed so hard. I have a fearless tattoo, wrote a book called live fearless. Like I'm constantly like went skydiving. I'm like, I'm not afraid, but truthfully, the reason I do all that is because I'm so afraid of so <laughs> many things. And so it's kind of like you challenge that fear. And I think of Peter because he's so equally like, courageous and afraid. Like he was walking on water, but then he got afraid. Like he had all these like moments of great intention. He cut out the dude's ear. Then he was like, I don't know the guy. It was like (laughs) constantly this battle of fighting that fear. And he was so loyal too to Jesus. Like he was his friend. And I think, so, I mean, not to be like me and Peter are the same number, but I just, when I read it, I'm sure everybody can read it through the lens of like, we're very similar, you know, in these different ways. Yeah, I love that because
1: I resonate with him in, I think, different ways, but a similar foundation because I don't think of myself as someone like I do not live fearless. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) in the same way of like, I'm more of, oh, that scares me. I'm going to go this way. (laughs) But the thing I like about Peter is that he's such a mess. Like the way you just described him is like he's afraid, but he's going to do it. But then, and there's something about living that full on you're going to make a mess of things. you know. And he seems like someone who, which this is also not like me, but he makes quick decisions and he acts Mm -hmm. really quickly. And so the thing that resonates with me though, and that is like, I can be really easily swayed into a decision. And so I feel like what I sometimes see in Peter is like, you want me to do this, I'm going to do this. Or wait, but then you expect, you know... If you Jesus, you tell me to follow you, I'm going. Or you tell me to walk on the water, like hop out of the boat, I'm coming. And <laughs> yeah. um, but then you know the flip side of that is someone is like, wait, you're one of them. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not one of yep. them. You know, it just feels very like I, I feel like kind of double so like That
3: yeah, I would like go so hard into something. I'm like, yes, I would love to do it. And then like a week out from the thing, I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I say yes? Why I'm did so I scared? say yes? Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm like, that was so Peter. He's like, running out on the water. Yeah, Jesus. And he's like, these waves are huge. Like yeah. squirrel, like you get kind of distracted <laughs> by like, the huge <laughs> thing in front of you. Like I can totally relate. I want to read some. Yeah. So in today, in that
2: day's reading, the Peter reading, we're reading from Luke chapter five and then Matthew 14 and I noticed so many similarities. Like the Luke five passage is about Jesus calling Peter and like throwing your nets and all of that. And Mm -hmm. then, the Matthew 14 passage is about the walking on water. And I just started like marking all the parallels in those stories. There's literally like a moment where both of them say they began to sink when they had like caught too many fish, like their boat began uh, to sink. I didn't catch that. And then when, cool. you know, he said, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink as he was walking on the water. And in both wow. of them, the words are verbatim, do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about when we started this episode, the story's not about Peter, Right. Stories about Jesus. And That's the right. thing that changes everything in both of those stories is Jesus. Who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also really like, I feel like Peter's pretty dramatic. Yeah. And, and I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I always
1: outwardly to. dramatic, but I'm very inwardly dramatic. And so I love from <laughs> Luke 5 when Jesus says in verse 4, you know, he says, here, put out into the deep water and let your nets down. And they're like, listen, we've tried. Trust mm-hmm. us, we've tried. And it says verse six, but when they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish. And he's like, listen, I mean, we've tried it. We're not, we can't catch any fish. And then as soon as it happens, go away from me.
2: You're clearly God. Yeah, (laughs) But I'm sinful. And I'm sinful. And then that next line, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Jesus told Simon from now on, you will be catching people.
1: Doesn't that feel Mm. like the craziest mic drop moment? I mean, he's the
2: ultimate prophet. Well, and where you're like, first of all, what does that even mean? And then if you rewind the story and you like read it back, you know, go cast your nets and like, Lord, there's nothing to catch today. And then they do it and they catch a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signal to their partners to come and help them. Like this is now it gets to be a Mm. story about catching men, catching souls. I love that.
1: I love it. It reminded me his really like immediate and dramatic reaction. Um, <laughs> it remi- It feels like he's, just, he's an emotional person. I feel like that's safe to say. And it reminded me of my t-shirt that I recently got that I just can't wear often enough. It says, I wish I were full of tacos instead of emotions. (laughs) And I feel like that is it. Like you're just constantly so full of emotions that you're like, wow, wow. And the Lord uses Peter. I mean, later we're going to read in these Mm -hmm. same passages where Jesus says to him, blessed are you. This is in Matthew 16, not to skip too far ahead, but... Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. To Peter, he's giving the keys to the kingdom of heaven to like the guy that jumps out of a boat to walk on water toward him because his faith is so real, but then also denies him even when he was warned that he
3: would. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so cool. I mean, thinking about the fish to this moment, because I feel like when you look back at your life, you always are like, kind of like what you said, that might drop moment where something will happen and you'll be like, Oh, like, that makes so much sense why years ago I was doing these little Bible studies that five people were coming to. You know, like now that I'm teaching all these people, and I feel like, you know, it's constantly every day and everything that God takes you into. It's like, okay, trust me that I have you where you're at because like later I'm going to use all of this in you. And like that little moment with Peter, I love it. it's like a trust building moment. It's like, trust me, like you're going to want to throw your net on the other side. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we've tried, we've tried. You're sitting here, you're like, I know, like this is not my thing. And then you do it. And then God's like, see, like, I'm training you. I'm training you. And then he's like, and actually I'm going to use you for something so much bigger. But this is that first step of faith. It's funny that you said you quote Psalms. Was it what? what 139. 139. Yeah. I quote Hebrews ten thirty five, 35 and like every single thing I do. <laughs> but it, so that I won't forget the confident trust that I have in the Lord for that will be richly rewarded. It goes on to say like patient endurance is what you need so that you'll be able to see the will of God. So think about that in that life. It's like everything is just confident trust in God that, you know, you're patiently enduring these things so that eventually you're going to see the will that he has for your life. And I feel like when you read the story of Peter and what Jesus was doing in his life, it's like constantly building that confident trust for what Jesus was able to do through him. And it's cool to kind of even skip from that moment to the next moment of like, I'm going to build my church on you. That's really awesome.
1: I agree. And I think that even that moment in the boat, you know, it's easy to read that story as evidence of peter's lack of faith but i think Mm -hmm. that that story is that's a moment that jesus is using to continue to build peter's faith and even though it looks on the onset you know from one perspective it looks like failure i think there's a tenderness in it and i think it's one of those moments that peter had to experience so that his faith could grow I'm going to read this, and then I know we probably need to move on. We want to, we just want to stay spend our whole hour on Peter. Can we? <laughs> but this is in Matthew 14. And so, you know, they're in the boat. They see it's kind of still dark, and they see Jesus walking to them very early in the morning, and they think it's a ghost. So verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water, which i could talk about that too it just i think is it's funny because i feel
2: like i may have been like lord if it's you command her to go out on the water <laughs> rachel would really prove like
1: it, to come out prove it by
2: calling amanda out on the water
1: <laughs> <laughs> verse 29 he said come and climbing out of the boat peter started walking on the water and came toward jesus but mm-hmm. when he saw the strength of the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out lord save me verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, thanks be to God. I hear a tenderness in that rebuke. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Because it's almost like Peter got a taste of what's possible. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. possible with Jesus. He It says he began
2: to walk on the water. But it wasn't Um, Jesus rejecting him. No. It was a tender rebuke. You're right. Yeah.
1: And I just, I think that it's such a faith building moment. I also love that word immediately. You were talking about the parallels, but in verse 31, it says immediately Jesus reached out his hand. So Peter calls out, Mm -hmm. Jesus reaches out. It, to me, connected back to in Matthew four, where Jesus is calling them. And it's, you know, this is immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. Immediately they left their boat and followed him. And so they had this like immediate response. And that's good. But it's more about Jesus action to like, I'm here. I've got this. Yeah. And I just, I just love it.
3: I love that. That's cool. I uh, shared a message on this earlier this year and it was funny because everybody was, you know, talking about 2020 and how we're going to have vision and all this stuff and (laughs) 2020 definitely went a little different than we all thought it was going to go. But I shared this message at Passion and I was talking about how, you know, a lot of times, like, we want vision, we crave vision, but God doesn't always, like, give us vision, you know, and how whenever Peter was in the boat, he asked this question, he's like, command me to come, and I thought that was so cool, because kind of like you said, you're like, I would have been like, command Amanda, like, send her, (laughs) like, for me, I know I would be like, if it's you, reveal yourself to me, like, Mm -hmm. show me that it's you, because if I know it's you, like, then I would walk out on the water, because, like, right now, I'm not, like, seeing clearly, and I think we do that sometimes, we're like, when I see that it's you, like, then I'm going to step into this moment. But Jesus, like he didn't show him that it was him. He didn't like move the wind a little bit, clear out the fog, step forward and be like, it's me. He just said, come. And Peter took him at that invitation by his word before seeing the vision perfectly. And I just took from that so much that, like, sometimes I'm not going to see it clearly. I'm just going to hear an invitation. I'm just going to feel called. And you have to, you know, take him at his word, even when you can't see the full picture clearly. And that passage has really meant a lot to me because I feel like so many times when God calls you, like, you don't see the full vision and you right. just have to start walking in that direction.
1: Yeah. Because we don't know. I mean, we've talked on the podcast before about that we don't have a guaranteed outcome. in our circumstances. I mean, we have a guaranteed eternal outcome, but we do know who God is. Like we put our hope in who God is, who Jesus is, not in what's going to happen when I step out of the boat. We trust the person who's calling us to come.
3: It's good. It is good. I'm
1: glad you said that.
0: Hey, friends. I'm interrupting this amazing conversation with Sadie to tell you about our next Bible reading plan, Psalm 119. As a company, we aim to equip you to be a woman in the Word of God every day, and our newest study book does just that. When we open our Bibles, we are doing more than simply opening a book. We are answering an invitation to rejoice in the beauty, goodness, and truth of God's Word. This Psalm 119 reading plan holds a really special place in our hearts because it sets the stage for a lifetime of deeper understanding, deeper connection, and deeper joy. We'll begin reading this two-week plan with the community on July 27th. Will you join us? Save 20% on your Psalm 119 study book when you use the code Psalm at the checkout. That's P-S-A-L-M at the checkout. Now back to the show.
2: Okay, so before we wrap on Peter,
1: Matthew 16,
2: this is the moment where Jesus says, like in verse 18, he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And it's this big moment that we kind of talked about already, you know, okay, Peter, like you are faulty <laughs> mm. and really it is me and you that makes you anything. But then if you look, and so I was reading this this morning and my Bible pointed me actually to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and Peter says... As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Peter is saying to us, Initially just initial audience, but we are reading that too. We as believers are little stones. We're these living Mm -hmm. stones. So not only is the church of Christ built on not just Peter, but the statement that he made. He made Mm -hmm. the statement, you are the Messiah. And so even on that statement, we are building God's church, but we Mm -hmm. get to be the little stones. When we say we resonate with Peter's story, it's because we too are these little living stones upon which God continues to build his Mm -hmm. church.
3: That's cool. That's really cool. That's incredible
2: to me because we, because I mean, we what just, a calling, Amanda, you're yeah. a living stone on which God is building his church. I and mean, you don't look directly at me when you say that. <laughs> <made> <laughs> Sadie, same for you, girl. And everyone listening, yeah. y'all, If as believers, God is building his church. He's using you as one of the stones to build his church. It's really gracious
1: that I think God had that conversation with Peter specifically because he is all over the place and kind of a mess and, So many, I mean, we're not the first two that said I resonate with him because, you know, when you say that to me, I think, but I'm a mess. Right. (laughs) But like, that's not the point. In fact, that only amplifies the gospel.
2: That it is Christ in you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. We'll talk about Peter. Maybe we'll just have the Peter podcast one day.
2: Okay. So Sadie, let's jump to Jairus and his daughter. And I'm excited to talk about this Because you, Sadie, were talking about these bold statements of faith, you know, that these people Mm -hmm. are coming to Jesus with the confidence of who he is. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the very beginning of that story. Jairus comes, it's like an important guy comes to Jesus face to face and says, hey, I need your help. And it's a statement of faith, but he also belongs there, right? Yeah. And then like you get this aside where it's like, and then there's this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. She shouldn't even be in town, but she also approaches Jesus with faith, a woman who shouldn't be there. And I love looking at the faith of that Jesus says to them, it is your faith that makes you well. It's not that you're an official or it's not that you are a woman who, Mm -hmm. you know, society has forgotten about. It's not to do with any of those things. It's to do with Mm -hmm. their faith. Let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, I really appreciated. I mean, I know that Leviticus is a doozy of a book of the Bible, but I so appreciated the inclusion of that passage from Leviticus 15 in the reading because it reminded us why this is so radical, what happens, not only what she does, but how Jesus responds to her because it says she had been bleeding for 12 years. She's been basically hemorrhaging. And so she, that made her ceremonially... I can't see it. You got this. Ceremonially. Toughly. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Unclean. Not just from time to time, but like constantly for yeah. 12 years. Mm-hmm. And yet she's in this like throng of people mm-hmm. and
2: dares to reach out and touch. And the Bible says robe. she uh, came up behind him in the crowd. Mm. Like where Jairus approached his face, she approached him from behind, but it was her faith.
3: Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing. I just think it's so cool. This story has always been super impactful for me. I'm sure we're about to get to it. But just how Jesus like notices her, like he didn't see her. She was behind him and touched him. And like, you know, it's talked about that so many people were touching Jesus that day. Even the disciples were like, Jesus, like so many people are touching you. But he knew like his power left him because somebody had faith. And that's just so like cool to me to think about. So like when we reach out in desperation, when we're crying out for something of faith, that he sees us. And I love your point. Like these are two completely different types of people. But, you know, you think about the world and how the world works. And sometimes like the world will rush to the important people. And, you know, they kind of bypass the people that in their eyes might not seem as big of importance, but Jesus isn't like that. Like he takes the same amount of time on both people, knowing that he has all the time in the world because time is his mm-hmm. and it's like nothing is outside of his reach. And so you just really see in these two stories, just how different Jesus, the man of Jesus, the God of Jesus is from anybody else in the world, how much we can learn. Yeah. I love that. I love
1: that, you know, time is not ours, it's his, but we are his and time Mm -hmm. is his. Yeah. So I think we can like, we can take a minute. We could slow down a little bit Mm -hmm. and we don't, I think sometimes like false urgency can really make us miss moments like this that he would have missed. You know, I like the parallel of those, Rachel, you're pointing out their statements of faith. For Jairus, he said in verse 23, this is in Mark 5, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. And then later in verse 28, the bleeding woman said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. So they're like, we know who can do this. Mm -hmm. We know that you can do this. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Mm
3: -hmm. I love just like, that she didn't need much. She just needed to touch him and she knew that was okay. And I think sometimes we put this like high demand on what we expect God to do. And we're like, if you do this, then, you know, we Mm -hmm. would know that you're healing us or you're doing something in us. And she was just like, if I just touch his garment, like I know that I'll be healed. And I think that's so beautiful that she just expected God to be God. And she didn't put an expectation on him to have to do anything other than simply heal her. And she had the faith to believe that all she had to do was believe for that. And I think that's such a good message for us as we ask God for things like not to, you know, I think sometimes we can be like, if you do this or you should do this, or this is how this is going to look. And it's like, no, like let him be God. Like <laughs> He's very capable being God. And like, you just have faith, you know, and reach out, reach out towards him and her faith in that and just her expectancy for that was beautiful.
1: It really reminded me of the story of Nicodemus. We get that really concise, you know, explanation of the gospel in John Mm -hmm. 3, 16 and 17. And I feel like there's a part of that that's happening here too In verse 32, he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. And I was reading that today and just thought, that's the gospel. Mm -hmm. Like you come with your whole self. You Mm -hmm. confess the whole truth. And you have faith mm-hmm. in the one that can save you. And he looks at you and says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace mm-hmm. and be healed from your affliction. So be healed and then take this peace with you yeah. and spread the kingdom. It's the gospel.
2: I want to complicate things a little bit, oh, but good. I think in a way to like make them even more clear. And by complicate, I mean, I want to jump for a second and we'll come back. But if you go to the last day of this week, the boy with the fish and loaves, there's a part... not even in like the primary reading, but in John 6, there's this interaction that Jesus is having. And these folks are saying to him, like, what can we do to perform the works of God? We want to be like you. What can we do to perform the works of God? Jesus replies, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. And then they respond like they haven't heard him the first time. But what sign then are you going to do so that we can see and believe you? What are you going to perform? And so there, as we're complicating this, because we're also bringing clarity, because these folks are going, Jesus, we need you to prove to us that you're God. We need you to perform, and then we'll believe you. And the difference is you look at Jairus and you look at the bleeding woman and they say, Jesus, you are God. I already know that. You're, yep. You being God is not dependent on your performance. I already know and believe. And mm-hmm. it makes me think of you know, that story in Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they are in the face of being thrown into the furnace because of their belief in God, because of their faith. And the statement, you know, you know, the statement that they say, they say, we know that our God is able to deliver us from this. We know that he is able to do it. And even if he does not, he is still good. He's still good. So the faith comes from, I know who God is and whether he does the thing that I ask him to do or whether he doesn't, if we perish in the fire, he is still we're,
1: good. Yeah. they. I think they actually say like, we're still going to worship. We're not going to bow down to you. We're still going to worship gonna st- him.
2: And then, you know, you go to John six and they're like, but Jesus is what mm-hmm. they say. Perform for us. Do
3: something. What are you going to do to prove to us that you are God? Like this lack of faith. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That's like what I'm saying. I think people... You know, I think we could all learn from that, you know, and even just check our prayers. I think I love whenever God like refines me in my prayer time. Has yeah. that ever happened to y'all? Like I'll pray something and I'll be like, "Wait, I didn't mean that." <laughs> like, "Hold on, I didn't <laughs> sorry, I take it like back. It's like when Backspace. you go to your mom or something and you say something you're like, "That came off like way wrong." Hold on. <laughs> just, like started my tone was bad. I'm very sorry like, about that. <laughs> it's like that with God. It's like when we when we say something and we realize like, "You know what? I'm not letting you be God." Like let's, you know, think about Jairus, think about the bleeding woman. And like, I want to have faith like that, God, that I'll just say, you know what, you're God. I want to have faith like Shabbat Meshach, and Abednego and say, even if this doesn't go my way or the way that I think it should or would want it to go, you're still good. And I'm still so good about you. I'm still going to praise you. This is going to be a part of my testimony. I'm going to preach through this or I'm going to get through this, then preach about it. Like, you know, just having that mindset that God, you're God, you're good. And I'm just going to have the faith to believe that. I'm going to keep throwing my nets out and catch nothing
2: until you tell me to do it one more time and I catch a load that's so heavy it sinks the boat. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. But we've already been doing this, which reminds me. So now we're going to back up
1: a step to the woman at the well. I love so much that when Jesus, I mean, we know that he shouldn't have been talking to her. I'm using some air quotes here because Mm -hmm. of the way the societal norms of the time. And so for him to be talking to a woman, for him as a Jewish man to be talking to a Samaritan, you know, she's at the well in the heat of the day, which we can infer that she didn't want to go when the crowd would go, which would be when it was cooler in the day, but she wanted to go when there would be fewer people Mm -hmm. around. And so she was at the well alone, but I love when he approaches her and asks for a drink. And then he says, you know, if you knew the gift of God, this is John 4.10, Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And then she says in verse 11, sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? To me, that so feels like the disciples going, but we've been casting our nets. But She's like, you don't even have a bucket. And Jesus is operating you know, there we talk about having they spiritual have their Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we talk about having spiritual bifocals, where like we look at the world, but when we look through the kingdom lens at the world, it changes how everything looks. Yeah. And so Jesus yeah. is always looking through the lens of the kingdom of God, and His Father's kingdom. And so their conversations are happening on two different planes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and I love that she just so kind of innocently says, "But you don't have a bucket." And he has to kind of, he has to lead her there. I think I always kind of think of Jesus as speaking with tenderness because it speaks to me personally. I mean, I get that he was also a force to be reckoned with, you know, flipping tables and those things, but how he just kind of leads her through this conversation. Oh, well, you know, Mm -hmm. go call your husband, Mm -hmm. you know, and just the course of this conversation is just always so powerful to me.
3: I love that. I think for me, like, I can totally relate to her even by saying that, but you don't have a bucket. It's like when God, you know, <laughs> might speak something to you in prayer and you feel, okay, I want to do this. But then you're like, but God, like, I'm not capable of it. It's like Moses. He's like, I'm calling you to go back to Egypt. And he has this amazing plan. And then Moses is like, but God, you forgot one thing. Like I have a speech impediment. <laughs> He's like, yeah. yeah, I made you. I get that.
2: Um, I'm still going <laughs> to use I gave you, you that speech impediment, and, right?
3: Yeah. Like, I know that. Like, oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Sorry. Let me go call the other guy. Like, yes, he knows that when he calls you. And so when God speaks to you something like for us, like you said, like we have this worldly viewpoint, it's like, it's not going to make sense sometimes, but put on that keynote viewpoint and be like, okay, but if you said it, I'm here for it. You know, I think it's really cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I love about this story and something that we actually, I think we highlight in this book is just this relationship that Jesus has with women. And, you know, there are so many, I think there are 15 women that we get to read about in this study, maybe a little bit more. And it's, you know, not only is the woman at the well a woman, but she's also a Samaritan woman, which like Jewish people, especially Jewish rabbis, like there's no interaction there. But the thing that I love also in verses 25 and 26 of this story in John 4 It says, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then it says, Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And this is actually the very first time that is recorded that Jesus says that he is the Messiah. He actually declares himself the Messiah, like, and maybe the only time before his trial. And if you think about, you know, it's Mary Magdalene. At the tomb, she's the first person that Jesus reveals his risen self to. Mm-hmm. He chooses a woman. And here, this is a woman that he says, I'm the Messiah. And what does she do? She left her water jar, went into town
1: and told the people, come see the man who has told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then that, to your point, Sadie, of how God used her, that this is all intentional. This mm-hmm. is all none of this is happenstance that he went to her, had this conversation with her. And then if we keep you know going, this is still all in John four. It says in verse 39, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the savior of the world. So like,
3: good, It is so good. It's so rich. I think for me, it's kind of ironic because I think my bucket or my speech impediment is actually really cool with this story, because for me, it was like, I grew up in a church that didn't agree with like women speaking in the church. And that just wasn't a thing. And so I started feeling called by God. My thing was like, but God, like I'm a girl. like Mm. I can't do that. Like, I don't know what part I play in that. And it was kind of funny because in my church, you couldn't like preach or speak, but you could do skits. And so (laughs) literally the first Live Original, if anybody ever went to it, I mean, there was a lot of people there, which is really Like, comical because I did two skits. I didn't even speak because I I could.
2: We're going to need some video footage. I'm going to need some video footage of this.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you really need to. It's like monologues. It's pretty hilarious. But, you know, I think about what God did in my heart. And now, you know, I go around and that's all I do just tell people about Jesus. And then hopefully it happens like it happened for her. She went and she told people about Jesus and what she experienced. And then people went to Jesus and found him for themselves. And it's what I hope to do. And so we can find such inspiration for her. But also, I mean, like you said, we're not just looking at her, you're looking at Jesus and the fact that Jesus would sit there and have such a good conversation with her. Cause I feel like God's so kind to me. Like it was years of like conversation to get to where I'm at and we're still having conversation, but I mean, it started with like, okay, can I do it with skits or this or that or whatever? And, you know, after conversation, after conversation, I come to this confident place to preach. And so he's so kind and he will talk Mm -hmm. through whatever your mess is that you need to talk to, to get you to the point of just us knowing that he's so good, you know? I love that.
2: I would like to go five for five on segues today. Oh, good. Yeah. Which Sadie, I mean, leads (laughs) us to the story of the boy with the fish and loaves. Like he had this thing. He had a little insignificant thing to offer that was clearly not enough. That was clearly not enough. And and I'm going to read it in verse eight of John six. It says one of his disciples." Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000, and we know that's just the men. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish as much as they wanted. "'When they were full, he told the disciples, "'Collect all the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. "'So they collected them and filled 12 baskets "'with the pieces from the five barley loaves "'that were left over by those who had eaten. "'When the people saw the sign he had done, "'they said, this truly is the prophet "'who is to come into the world.'" And Sadie, sometimes when we read something that she reads truth, we like to follow it with just saying out loud, "'Do you believe this is true?' And if you do, we answer, Mm -hmm. we do. And I find that to be so useful, even alone in my house, when I'm reading my Bible, whatever passage I read, to just kind of ask myself, Rachel, do you believe this is true? And, you know, something as just amazing as Mm -hmm. multiplying the fish and the loaves into 12 leftover baskets I believe that's true. And even mm-hmm. like saying that, it's like this statement of faith that we get to yeah. declare, right? Really but also cool. we learn in this story first about Jesus and his power to take so little and do much for the mm-hmm. kingdom, right? And then we also get to look at this little boy who offered what he had mm-hmm. and then watch that Jesus used it. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um,
1: it reminds me of in Exodus with the manna and how there were very strict instructions because this says, you know, they ate all they wanted. Well, there it was like, only take what you need. Mm-hmm. And if you try to keep any leftovers, it's going to spoil, right? Mm-hmm. But here, in the actual presence of the Son of God, it's like, eat all you want, be satisfied. And then look at all of this that was left over to just continue to feed people. And I don't, this is a new thought that I've not formulated, and I don't know what that means exactly, (laughs) but I know it's really cool. And one of the things that you just said, it's like, do you, Rachel, do you believe this is true? So if I'm asking myself, do I believe this is true? And to say yes to that, it doesn't have to mean that I understand how or why, but I can still with the gift of faith, because I believe faith is a gift from God that we can believe it. And that I love that's
3: that. Yeah. Somebody told me one time and I'd never heard it before. She's like, Sadie, you need to ask God for the faith to believe. It was a specific thing. And I was like, ask God for faith. And I was thinking like, that's the one thing like I need to do. Like God gives me like everything. Like the one thing like I need to do is like have faith. Like I don't want to ask God for me to have faith. And she's like, no, like you need to ask God for you to have faith like you yeah. really do and I started doing that and it was like so impactful for me and it's like even the thing that like you would think like oh that's on me like it's never all on you like God comes through you it's all about like God doing things through you he lives on the inside of you and so that is something that stuck with me and I love what y'all are saying it's so true that's great
2: well okay we got through all five reading days I'm proud of us because it takes a hustle to get through so all so good five. So, Sadie, the last thing that we do on our episodes, you know, we kind of say, you know, the She Reads Truth podcast as a whole is the time where we open our Bibles and we talk about Mm -hmm. the beauty, goodness and truth we find there. And then at the end, we get to just look at each other and ask each other, hey, what's happening in your life? Like, where are you seeing God's beauty, goodness and truth in your life today? Do y'all have anything? What do you want to talk about?
1: Well, just so that Sadie doesn't feel pressure for it to be something super profound, which it can be, but mine (laughs) is (laughs) Play-Doh. Okay. I love (laughs) that. Because our youngest, Toby, is obsessed with Play-Doh and he uses it in very specific ways where he cooks with it, like in his play kitchen. And so he doesn't, like, I always thought of Play-Doh as like, you play with it. Then you like keep the colors separated because we're not animals, people. Like we keep Mm -mm. the colors separated (laughs) in the play doh jars and then we put them back and then we reuse them. Toby does not do that. Toby takes them, like creates layers, he creates like a mosaic he'll cut up the play doh into tiny pieces and mix all the colors together and make soup. Sure, It's great. But it has been, I have probably played with Play-Doh. Let's see. We're still social distancing, but on our back porch, we have had my brother and his family. So brother, my sister-in-law, two kids, and then all of my kids, we all played Play-Doh for like two hours. And then our friend Meredith came over. It has been the most like therapeutic thing, but also just really beautiful to watch everyone become kids again and create.
3: That's so sweet. And it's all like
1: Toby is our leader. He's our Play-Doh czar. It's great.
3: <laughs> That's so sweet. I love that. For me, honestly, like this is pretty simple too, but it's been like really huge for me lately. It's, and this is like, sounds even funny to say, but every time like the moon comes out at night, like I have been like, I don't know why, but like I told Christian, looked at me the other night. He said, Why are you crying looking at the moon? <laughs> I was like, It's just something about it to me has been really powerful because, you know, we've been in this quarantine for like so many months and life's just kind of been hard in different ways. But the moon keeps coming out and the sun keeps coming up. And that just keeps reminding me that God is still moving, that God still has purpose because He keeps inviting a new day to come. And it's like, I watched the sunrise the other morning, I watched the moon come out, and each time I'm like, All right, here we go again like another 24 hours and it's probably going to look the same as yesterday but like what is my intention what is my purpose in today and Krish and I have had some great conversations over the moon coming up lately and it's just been cool, and then I read Joshua. How Joshua like asked like for the sun and moon to stand still, and it did. Yeah. Talk about do you believe that? I'm like, yeah. I do. Yeah. But it's just cool that God does use the creation around you to remind you that He is in control and has power over those things, and that's been really huge for me. I
2: love that. And the thing about the moon is that it isn't a light source; that it reflects mm-hmm. the sun, and like. Yes talking about like the story of Nicodemus and how he came in the darkness and Jesus like brought him into the light with the truth of his word. And that's what we get to be. We are not the light, but the light is in us and we reflect God to the world. So we're all like moons. (laughs) That's (laughs) so so good. I love it. I would say mine probably, I have a little cactus garden in my backyard and I was recently relocating a cactus. And I know so little about the anatomy of a cactus. It turns out (laughs) I didn't even know what to expect root wise. And I learned and they have the longest, deepest roots I have ever seen, like deeper than they are tall, like for sure. And it makes sense now that I think about it because they're succulents and their whole thing is like they can go a really long time without water or they can tap really down far to get water. And it was just... To me, cactuses and any kind of succulent, they're just beautiful, right? But the goodness and the truth that I found in that is just that depth of, like, having that source of water and that depth of, like... A groundedness or that deep root I don't know I think I was just really that's encouraged so, by the deep no. roots
1: of cactuses that's really good I, I really that. like that analogy a lot
2: alright friends well Sadie thank you so much for joining us today my goodness please come back soon um, such a joy y'all we're coming back next week and we have Joe Saxton on the podcast and we're going to talk about so many great things so many great people in the Bible but primarily we're going to talk about Jesus and how they responded to Jesus and how we resonate with their response to Jesus so y'all Please come back, and until then, Amanda, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles.